The book of Romans, starting in chapter 15, he starts out this chapter by saying to live for each other, live for your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're strong, bear with the weaknesses of others. Look to please your neighbors more than yourself, but for their good. Obviously, it says to his edification, meaning you're not trying to please their flesh, but please them in their growth, in their lives which might be having understanding for where they are in their flesh, not condemning them because they are not yet where you are in a certain area. It says in verse 3, For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. So he says Christ died to himself. He lived for us in his life, not for his own reproaches, but for our reproaches. And then he reminds all, because remember, he's writing to the church in Rome, which is made up of uh, believers who are Gentile and Jewish. And apparently, I just picked up on this history, um, Claudius had been the emperor, and he recognized that, this is what I just watched a video about, Many he was hearing that many Jews were starting to follow this Christus, Christ, Jesus. And it, it concerned him, and so he didn't know the difference between a Jew and a Gentile, or a, a, a believer in Christ versus a, a you know a, a different kind of Jew. So he just kicked out all the Jews from Rome, and so all the Jews left, but the uh, the Gentile believers didn't have to leave because that wasn't the edict. And so then Christus died, the edict expires, and so the Jews started coming back. And you had this uh, Gentile church who had kind of gone away from a lot of the teachings of Moses. And then they came back and said, well, you guys aren't following the law of Moses at all. How can you say you're following the Messiah when you're not respecting all the rest? And and that's where the conflict developed. And that's why Paul wrote this book, to bring unification between the two. And we've covered that throughout the book. But Paul is saying here, whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instructions so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Spirit, we might have hope. So Paul is saying, hey, don't throw out the former writings, what we would call the Old Testament, because they are for our life. They are for our instruction. So that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scripture, we might have hope. They lead us to the Lord. So they're valuable in that. More so, they were given by the Spirit and can be enlightened to us through the Spirit. And so Paul again calls for unity between these two. He says in 5, Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, you have different backgrounds, you have different ways of worshiping the Lord, but we're all worshiping the same Lord. And so come together. Don't think of yourself so highly that you can't understand God would be working in another one in a different way. Seven, therefore accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. For I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises given to the fathers and for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy. So he said, Christ accepted all of us. We all fell short, whether Jew or Gentile. 
and he, but he has accepted each one of us and brought the truth of his word to light that he has given for what at least 1200 years prior to that uh, through the scriptures he's he's making this these scriptures true through the Jews and he's also making his promises given to the fathers for the Gentiles true to glorify God Jesus laid his life down for us but primarily for God to glorify God and just as we are asked to lay our lives down to glorify God it's an amazing thing that we can bring God glory as fallen as we are as 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 far short of the glory of God that we are by laying our lives down in obedience to the Father we can bring him glory and that is what exactly what Jesus did and of course tied in with that they're inseparable is that he loved other people and so he laid his life down for us so that we could join into this promise this hope this new living way and so paul quotes some of those scriptures therefore i will give praise to you among the gentiles and i will sing your name again he says rejoice O gentiles with his people and again praise the lord all you gentiles and let all the peoples praise him again isaiah says there shall come the root of Jesse, and he who arises to rule over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles hope. So he's reminding uh, the Jews of four more scriptures here, where God has promised in the past, through the law and the prophets, that the Gentiles would come to follow the Lord. In 13, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, the Holy Spirit is is meant, is one of his purposes is to bring us into this kingdom, this family culture of God. And what is life, as we just discussed a couple chapters back? It's joy and peace and righteousness. So here he says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we are overwhelmed by the glory of God in our lives and his love for us, then shouldn't it naturally spring forth that we abound with love for others? And so he's saying, don't get caught up in your differences, but glorify God. Again, that's not to say that there's not discipleship and training and helping people to get rid of fallen ways. But he's saying in these certain things, you're getting upset over things that God has not given you to be upset about. They're, they're ideas of your understanding, of your religion. 14. And concerning you, my brethren, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. So he says you have enough knowledge to admonish one another when you step into sin, to know the difference between Differences in the way you worship the Lord, which are perfectly fine, and missing the mark of God and going off in your own direction. And you have the ability to admonish someone when they do do that. 15. But I have written very boldly to you on some points as to remind you again, because of the grace that was given me from God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest the gospel of God, so that my offering of the Gentiles may become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. 
He says, just as the Levites, the, the house of Aaron, were, were priests for the word of God, God has made me a priest to the Gentiles. And so he has given me the grace to accomplish this so that they may be a sweet offering. The Gentiles would be a sweet offering to the Lord, acceptable and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And so I've, I've written quite boldly to you Jews so that you understand this is the word of God. Whatever religious training you have that comes against this is wrong. So you see, Paul is, <laughs> in this chapter, he's saying things that might seem to go against what he's said throughout a lot of the book if we don't have understanding of what he's saying. Um, because he's saying, don't judge others on one hand. And then he's saying, hey, admonish others in the spirit. And he's saying, if your word is against mine, you're wrong <laughs> in the spirit. So he's not saying that there is not a right way. He is saying that there is a right way. And he's saying those that are mature in the Lord and can understand the right way need to help and admonish others to stay on this path. But he says, you who are still clinging to your fallen understanding, your religious ways that God is not in, you think God is in them because that's how you've always worshiped the Lord. But actually God has made known a new and living way, a better way. And your understanding is fallen. And so... You must come out of those things. So on one hand, don't judge someone for worshiping the Lord in another way. And on the other hand, if someone is not living according to true worship of the Lord, and they're in your lives for discipleship, for fellowship, uh, where you are given a leadership position over them, then by all means, you need to admonish them and teach them the truth, the way. 17. Therefore, in Christ Jesus, I have found reason for boasting in things pertaining to God, for I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed, in the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and round about, as far as Elycrium, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ, and thus I aspire to preach the gospel not where Christ was already named, so that I would not build on another man's foundation. So he's saying, look, I'm not trying to be an expert in all things. I am telling you God has appointed me for this purpose of the Gentiles, and he has given me grace, and it has been made clear to everyone by word and deed, with signs and wonders and the power of the Holy Spirit, so that it is very clear what I'm saying is true. God has given me understanding, and he has given me the power and the grace that the, the, these Gentiles come to the Lord wherever I go. And so it's far and wide. His name is preached. And my preference is not to build on somebody else's foundation so I don't have to deal with their dead religion. But I, I build up where no man has brought the gospel of truth before. And I establish that. For this I have been sent as an apostle. And this is my work. For it is written, They who had no news of him shall see, and they who have not heard shall understand. So Paul says, I'm fulfilling this. He says, because of these things, I've never been able to come to you, but I've been longing to come to you for years. And so I'm planning on going to Spain. And when I, uh, on my way to Spain, I'm definitely going to stop by and see you. And 
I hope to, you know, enjoy your company and, and be able to teach and fellowship with you. But right now I'm going to Jerusalem, serving the saints there. I, I mean, it's certainly not important to me. It'd be cool if we found some real reason to believe. But I don't believe he went to Spain because I think we would have heard. I don't think there's any tangible evidence that he did. Some people believe he did get to Spain. I'm not sure why they thought that other than he wanted to go to Spain. But um, I don't think he ever made it. We know he did go to Jerusalem. And we know, assuming this is the same trip to Jerusalem, he was then put in chains and went to Rome. Now, some people think after that, he spent a long time in jail, in what, a couple of years in Caesarea, and then I don't know how long in Rome. And then some people think he was let go, and then later in jail again and that's when he was killed and so maybe in between there he went to Spain I have no I it just seems like maybe we'd have evidence of that if if he did so I don't tend to think that however whether or not he was in jail in Rome twice maybe there's good evidence for that I don't know he says he's going to Jerusalem because Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem yes they were pleased to do so and they're indebted to them for if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual things, they are indebted to minister to them also in material things. So he's he's sharing a principle here that they have the Gentiles have been blessed by the spiritual contribution of the the Jews, the believers in um, in Jerusalem, and therefore they you know they owe of their lives. And what can they give? They can they can give of material things. In this case, money. So this is a like a tithing principle, which again, m- many people would, would say, oh, that's Old Testament, you don't need to do that. Well, Paul is showing here very clearly um, this, again, he doesn't use the word tithe, so I guess you can parse words, but he's showing the principle is absolutely still in effect. Paul says, therefore, when I have finished this and I've put my seal on this fruit of theirs, I will go on by way of you to Spain. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. So he says he's coming. He's planning on going to Spain. He will come to Rome on the way, and he will bring the blessing of the Lord. And he gives them an exhortation here at the end, verse 30. Now I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be rescued from those who are disobedient in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may prove acceptable to the saints, so that I may come to you in joy by the will of God and find refreshing rest in your company. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. So he's he, he obviously at this point has some idea that he's going to be put in chains in Jerusalem. Um, perhaps he hasn't been uh, told, remember everywhere he would go, people would prophesy to him that don't go to Jerusalem, you're going to be put in chains there. Uh, so maybe he hadn't heard that enough that it had fully sunk in yet. But he had some idea uh, in the spirit or by prophecy, which is also by the spirit, that that this would happen. And he's asking for prayers. And then we're on to the last chapter, 16. So he's sending this letter by way of a woman named Phoebe. And he tells them to accept her and be a blessing to her as she has been a blessing to many. He specifically wants Priscilla and Aquila, his fellow workers in Christ Jesus. We saw them a couple times in Acts. And he says, uh, greet them because they risk their lives, their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Also greet the church that is in their house. And he starts to offer a lot of greetings. I'm not going to mention all these people. 
I will point out seven. Greet Adronicus and Junius, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners who are outstanding among the apostles. This clearly indicates to me that these were apostles that we don't know much about. That helps us to break free of this idea that there's just certain men that are apostles and they are high and that rather than understanding it's an office used by the Lord for a certain purpose. So it helps us to break free of the religious idea of the religion always looks to separate us from God and the work of God. So whether that be God the Father, whether that be Jesus, whether that be, you know, uh, so-called saints, as, as the old church used to say. I mean, are they saints? Of course. Are these guys apostles? Of course. But uh, religion would look to separate those things from us and, and to remove the idea that we are called into this life the same as them. And God will purpose in each one of us whatever gift he has in mind. And that there's nothing that has been done before which God can't do again and through many. The reality is it's always a narrow road. There's always few that choose, but that doesn't, there's billions of people. So it can be many. And so here's two guys who, we don't know who they are. Uh, Maybe church history knows a little bit more about them and I don't. But uh, it, it just clues us in that uh, break off our religious mindsets and understand God works how he works and he is at work today. 16 is greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. I, I, uh, we, we briefly would visit a fellowship years ago and he talked about he wanted to um, revive this holy kiss thing, which in my mind was just a... a a religious affectation. It's just not in our culture. America's culture, the primary culture within America, is derived mostly from Northern Europeans, and certainly my family is. Uh, you know, predominantly, it's not all that I am, but but that's uh, a good chunk. And um, and our culture in general. <laughs> my wife's my wife's dad is uh, half Italian. And uh, so he and his brothers will kiss each other on the mouth. And that's just, you know, their culture. <laughs> and my brother-in-law, who also married into this family uh, years ago, was around, uh, you know, our wife's uncle. And he smacked a kiss right on his lips. <laughs> it shocked him. I wasn't there, but I just heard the story many times over the years about <laughs> This big old holy kiss he got right on the mouth. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that was the culture. These Mediterranean people, I think, uh, for all of them, that, that sort of thing is common. And and so, uh, you know, so if if that's part of your culture, by all means. If that's not part of your culture, don't try. It's, it's silly to try to take something up as a religious affectation. And then, Paul, we're getting towards the end of the letter, and Paul starts encouraging and exhorting them again. 17, now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you learned, and turn away from them. For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. For the report of your obedience has reached to it all. Therefore I am rejoicing over you, but I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you.
So he's he's wrapping up here and he's saying everything that I've been teaching you if you're if there are those among you who are teaching otherwise they're they're bringing about dissensions and hindrances contrary to this turn away from them turn them out don't let them be apart they are slaves not of the lord as they should be but they are slaves of their own appetite of their own religion of their own fallen ways and they use smooth and flattering speech to deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting but your obedience has reached my ears and so I trust in you to be wise and do good and be innocent around evil. And as you persevere in the Lord, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Timothy, Timothy's with him. He also sends um, greetings. And then we find out a man named Tertius is writing the letter. 22 says, I, Tertius, who write this letter, greet you in the Lord. So as was common at the time, Paul would uh, speak the letter and Tertius would write it. We know Timothy uh, probably did that a bunch uh, for him as well, but in this case, Tertius is doing it. And the letter ends, starting in chapter, verse 25, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifested, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all the nations, leading to obedience of faith, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be the glory forever. Amen. So this is powerful. He's writing to two different groups who have had some arguments, um, but are all worshiping the Lord. And in the end, he turns it and worships the Lord in the, as the ending of the letter. He says, to him, to God, who can establish you according to my gospel, this good news that I'm teaching. And the preaching, he says, it's not just me. This is also the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which has kept secret for long ages past but is now manifested and by the scriptures of the prophet so he said this mystery has been pointed at by the prophets for a thousand years and now this mystery is being made known it's being revealed god is pulling back the veil so we can understand these things the prophets have longed to know but they have spoken about and made available to us now we can understand and more than just understanding, the reality of the life is being manifested to us. And this is the commandment of eternal God. This is his purpose and his desire for us. And this truth is being made known to all nations, not just one nation, leading to obedience of faith, a life of faith that leads to obedience, that we give our lives completely to him and we trust in him to be for our good and to bring about a better reality for us than we could have chosen on our own. And there is only one God. We pray to him. He is wise and he is good. And our way in is Jesus Christ. Be the glory of God forever to God through Christ. Amen. And that is the book of Romans. God bless you.